This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Will a Blue Ribbon Commission find the right answers to fix long-term care? And one of our foremost political cartoonists writes the book on the man who blazed the satirical trail. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Scientists say there may soon be a simple way to help diagnose Alzheimer's disease, the most common form of dementia. An experimental blood test is proving highly successful at distinguishing people with Alzheimer's disease from those who don't have it, with accuracy up to 98%. Several companies are developing these tests, which measure a protein that damages the brains of people with the disease. The findings were presented at an international Alzheimer's conference this week. A comprehensive study of data from over 20 years finds that vaccines are very safe. It also says the system for reporting adverse events is very effective. Researchers from Tel Aviv compiled information from 57 FDA-approved vaccines over the past two decades. A Taiwanese couple in their 80s have taken social media by storm. The pair have run a dry cleaning business for 70 years, and over the decades, hundreds of pieces of clothing have never been picked up. Their grandson convinced them to have fun by modeling the clothes, and he posted the photos on Instagram, becoming an instant hit. He says the point is to show people that even in senior years, life can still be fun. I'm Michelle Obama, and this is the Michelle Obama Podcast. We are here with a few members of my my posse. The first guest of Michelle Obama's new podcast featured a familiar voice, Barack Obama. In the premiere episode this week, the former first lady and her husband held an intimate conversation about community, the love that powers relationships, and life after living eight years in the White House. The nine-episode series podcast is expected to feature candid and personal conversations focusing on a variety of topics on women's health, marriage, and the benefits of mentorship. The Prime Minister of Greece is in hot water after granting citizenships to two Hollywood stars. The main opposition party accuses the PM of using a military helicopter as a private taxi last week, to celebrate the couple's new passports. Greece offered citizenship to 64-year-old Tom Hanks and his 63-year-old wife Rita Wilson and their two children in recognition of the family's help in raising funds for the victims of a deadly wildfire near Athens in 2018. Wilson has Greek ancestry. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This week, the province released details of the Independent Commission to look into the devastating impact of COVID-19 on our long-term care sector, 
which saw 80% of the deaths from the coronavirus. It will be led by Associate Chief Justice Frank Morocco, who was lead counsel for the province in the Walkerton Inquiry and lead prosecutor in the BRIEX Securities Prosecution. At the same time, the province has responded to the Galice Commission on the Wet Law for Murders released a year ago, recommending a minimum four hours of care a day per resident. Which brings us to the question, what more do we have to learn before we can fix long-term care? I got a contrary view from Doris Greenspoon, CEO of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. We have said for quite some time that we don't need any further commissions to know what went wrong. What we need now is to pass forward on to what we need to do to do it right, because there is very little time in our hands living between now and the poll when we will be confronted with COVID second wave plus, plus influenza. And if we don't fast forward into hiring more PSWs, more RNs, more RPNs, more NPs, making sure we have the PP there, bringing families back in as essential caregivers, both in homes with and without an outbreak, we need to do all of that August and September. If not, we are going to have a tragedy, a triple tragedy. We already had tragedy. What do you make of the commissioners? It's Associate Chief Justice Frank Morocco. Uh, he's been in a role like this before, very distinguished career. Angela Koch and Dr. John Kitts. I know two of the three, and absolutely yes. Uh, and the timelines are good that they will be done by April. But as I said, no commission will save us from a second tragedy in the fall unless we fast forward to hiring and to ensuring PPE, not just for one day and one week, but, you know, for six months and to ensuring families are back in. What can this commission uncover that we don't already know? Who was at fault for what? You know, but again, that will not save lives. Um, that we needed, you know, uh, more staffing, that we needed PPE, RNO warrant of more pe- of, of ensuring universal masking of all staff uh, facing patients and facing residents. Uh, the hospitals moved with that because the hospitals had the PPE. The nursing homes didn't move with that because they didn't have PPE. And by the time that the... Um, the Ontario Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David Williams, moved on a directive on that. It was way too late, three weeks after Arenio, uh called the alarm bell, and a lot of people, a lot of lives were lost already. And the other piece is the piece of surveillance testing. You know, I mean, you don't wait until a house is engulfed in fire to go and send the firefighters. You have an alarm, an alarm system, right, it's with a good sensor, and then you prevent the house to be engulfed. Here we didn't. We send the PPE, even the PPE, that is the sensor for the fire, right, was given after an outbreak. Um, testing was done after an outbreak. All of that needed to happen before an outbreak. But, Livy, this is all well documented. So what is the commission going to uncover on that. Well, I'm asking you. <laughs> no, I don't think nothing new. I think the commission is a commission that basically was called to prevent a full public inquiry, but we didn't support 
neither or. Not the full public inquiry because it takes two years and residents need help now. Families need help now. What is your assessment with how the homes are moving forward now with allowing both visitors and family caregivers? They're moving very slow, very, very slow. Um, Not all of them are allowing uh, sufficient numbers of visits. Uh, and for the length of time that really will allow people to feel accompanied and to also be helped with drinking water, with the, you know, nutrition, etc., ambulation. Uh, second of all, we are not allowing uh, families in the homes that are on an outbreak. We believe both the residents in homes without an outbreak and the residents in homes with an outbreak both of them need to allow families in. If you have the right PPE, Libby, and if you educate people on how to don and off or put on and take off the PPE, there is absolutely no reason not to allow that. Is the naming of this commission then kind of a non-event, in your opinion? In our opinion, it's a non-event. We'll use a lot of time. I don't know who has the time for that, quite frankly when what we should be doing is focusing on putting the funding and fast-forward hiring of people so residents in nursing homes can receive the care that they need and deserve. Staff that should be going and talking with this commission, let me tell you, number one, they're exhausted. I speak with colleagues. Number two, they're devastated and they're in moral distress. All they want to know is are things going to be better for the second wave? And I don't see yet hearing a clear yes. That's what I'm hoping to hear in the next couple of days. The province has just responded to the commission on the wet law for murders with some staffing recommendations. Now, the only concrete one I could find was for four hours per resident per day. You are a good reviewer of a report. Now, while that is progress, Libby, because, you know, it is progress from 2.7 or 2.9 hours to 4 of direct care, that was also committed in 2017 and never happened, by the way. Uh, But there is nothing you are correct on the skill mix, meaning who will provide those four hours. Although somewhere in the report in various places they do acknowledge that more registered nurses are needed. And somewhere in the report, they also speak that more nurse practitioners are needed. But they are unwilling to come forward and just say what is needed, which what we requested in the basic care guarantee is very little, but at least give that to the residents. 48 minutes a day of an RN, 60 minutes a day of an RPN, and then 2.2 hours of PSW. That, you know, that should be the four hours. And we will continue to push with that until residents receive that type of care, because as we call it, it's basic. It's basic. Doris Greenspoon, thanks so much for being with us. A pleasure, Libby. Take care. That was Doris Greenspoon of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. 
cover is adorned with the iconic cartoon of former Prime Minister John Diefenbaker as Marie Antoinette. It's probably the best-known work by Duncan McPherson, a monumental figure in Canadian cartooning. There's a new book on his life and work by another maestro of cartoon satire, Terry Mosher, who draws under the name Aislinn. I reached him in Montreal. Duncan McPherson, I, arguably, is the best, uh, most interesting political cartoonist we've ever produced in this country. And uh, he was a mentor of mine in the 70s. He gave me some terrific advice on on how I should be working and uh, dealing with newspapers and all kinds of things. So I never forgot that. When he died in 1993, of course, the Internet was just coming along at that point. Uh, so people were starting to forget about him because he didn't have a real online presence, if you know what I mean. Uh, and it bothered me. I would talk to young art students, and they had no idea who Duncan McPherson was. And, you know, this, this great fellow who could draw as well as anybody I ever knew, I really thought that he should be uh, remembered. What made him so special as a political cartoonist? The, the country had never seen anything like Duncan when he came along and was first hired by the Toronto Star by Pierre Burton. Uh, Pierre Burton coaxed Duncan McPherson into becoming a cartoonist at the Toronto Star in 1959. And you have to remember that was the age of John Diefenbaker and uh, all of the sort of shenanigans that were going on at that time. And it was just made for Duncan to sort of, he sort of led the charge against the Diefenbaker uh, regime of the time with these hilarious caricatures. You know, it's uh, politicians uh, just don't like being laughed at in general. And uh, the whole country was laughing along with Duncan at, uh, at the exploits. Uh, so from that, he progressed to become, to suddenly winning all kinds of newspaper awards for the star. We just such a presence in the 60s and 70s in, in, uh, in Toronto and indeed throughout the rest of the country. How do you think he advanced the genre? Well, more than anybody else, I would think. I mean, I would probably be in the United States now if it wasn't for Duncan McPherson. But he established a taste amongst newspaper uh, editors and publishers for wanting really good Canadian cartoons. And so they went out and hired all kinds of other people, people like Roy Peterson uh, in uh, Vancouver, uh, the Toronto Sun. Uh, and suddenly all of these newspapers had very unique, uh, terrific cartoonists working for them that were sort of the talk of the town in this particular area. So he, he established that. He was your mentor. I got to know him in the 70s, and quite frankly, we used to drink together. Uh, and he was, uh, you know, he was a functioning alcoholic, as I was at the time. I managed to quit eventually. He never did. Uh, but that didn't seem to stop him from producing this brilliant work. Uh, and he was my mentor in the sense that he he gave me ter terrific advice at the time when when my popularity was growing uh, in the seventies. He uh, he advised me on how I should be how I should be dealing with editors and newspapers and all of that sort of thing and holding on to my own originals, not letting the, the newspaper just uh, dictate anything. And uh, and I did that and it worked. So I'll never forget that. What would you like to say to people who aren't familiar with his work, maybe young people? 
I would say that he's worth a look, even if you're not familiar with the political situation. Anybody who who appreciates a draw, good drawing, uh, the man drew as well as any Canadian artist I can think of. And drawing, quite frankly, is often downplayed in art schools and so on because a lot of the the instructors can't draw themselves, so they, they, they emphasize design or color or whatever it happens to be. But if you're a drawing person, in other words, if you're, you're attack, uh, attracted to the graphics of how somebody draws hands or eyes or, or expressions, Duncan McPherson was the best in the game. They even wrote him up at the time in The New Yorker about being one of the world's top cartoonists. So he was... Uh, it's also a good history lesson to go, to look at some of his older drawings or the old drawings that he did uh, about uh, events that were going on. That's, I think, why history books have always traditionally used a lot of cartoons. Thanks so much, Terry. Thank you, Lovey. That was Terry Mosher on his new book, Professional Heckler, The Life and Art of Duncan McPherson. us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.